Welcome to Get a Grip with Max Homa and Shane Bacon, a production of iHeartRadio. Sports fans, golf fans, or just fans, welcome to, uh, you know, just a Wednesday afternoon episode of Get a Grip with Max Homa and Shane Bacon. Max, just Wednesday after the Masters, you know, just uh, a couple of dudes across the country from each other talking about golf. That's what the people want. Yeah, it's exactly what everybody's been craving. Uh, no laying up was doing a try-hard move by doing it like 10 minutes after the Masters, so I figured <laughs> we'd wait a few days. It's getting harder and harder, Shane. You're busier and busier. I'm busier and busier. I'm currently driving up the 5 Freeway in Southern California from a video shoot with Titleist, uh, so uh, pardon, pardon us if the noise quality isn't A1, but I'm glad we can still talk about it. It was still a cool week, you know, playing Augusta, in April, and you calling the Masters in April is pretty special for one podcast to do that. Uh, I feel like that's got to be a first. <laughs> I was, I was, uh, I was kind of. I had one eye on your card the whole time, you know, as I tend to do, and um, and then I would dive in and watch, uh, you know, some of the things on that Masters app, which is unbelievable uh, in the evening. But uh, I, I will say, I was, I was pretty invested on on Friday evening. Late, uh, you flagged one on seventeen. Uh, you had a good birdie putt there, uh, and I know. I mean, I know for you, it's it's disappointing not to make the weekend. But what, can you just kind of talk on the week this time versus November, and, and just the differences, uh, the different feelings, having patrons there, all that? Yeah, I really wasn't. Uh, you know, I missed the cut by one both times now, and and I would say I was. I felt more disappointed in November in the in the. I guess the reason being was it just didn't feel like the masters I know, which is obviously because it wasn't. Um, and it's not a knock on, on the tournament. We are all so glad that it happened and, and I'm so glad I got to play. But when you leave there, especially after missing the cut with no fans, it was kind of had this eerie feeling to it. Um, so I just really felt like I missed, I didn't get the full experience. I didn't get the part three tournament, which obviously we didn't get this time, but even so, I didn't get the part three tournament. I didn't get my family there. I didn't get Lacey's family there. I didn't get uh, the golf course with some fire. Like, just so many things just felt not how I would have pictured my first Masters. So, I was also extremely disappointed this year uh, missing the cut by one, especially considering I'm, you know, playing quite a bit better and I have a lot of things going on that I, you know, I, a good finish would have helped me with. But at the same time, I did leave very appreciative of getting to play Augusta national in the masters in April, when the golf course had a lot of life to it, the fans were out getting to hear some roars and some cheers. It was just like, I just definitely left. I feel like this time um, a lot more thankful of what I got to go through. Um, And again, it's not a knock on the one in November, but when you picture your, your first time at Augusta national playing the masters as a little kid, you know, you picture it with a bunch of people around you and, you know, teeing off on one and not 10 and, you know, teeing off when you get pretty nervous. And, and I didn't get that, those nerves in November, like I did this, this past week, uh, it was a totally different experience and it was a lot of fun. I wish I would have played better. Uh, but at the same time, I do feel like now I, I have that experience, you know, Kisner had that quote that he said, I feel bad for people who played their first masters in November because they basically didn't really get any any extra information that they would need to feel experienced. And I do feel like I have that now. I feel like I, I get Augusta national, the golf course so much more now. And um, I'm looking forward to being back and I don't feel, uh, 
I don't feel like I missed anything. I'm, I'm really, really thankful that, uh, you know, my family and a couple of friends got to come out. It was, it was just like a really cool, minus missing the cut. It was kind of one of those perfect experiences. So you had a, a I haven't talked to you about this. Um, and, and I was very interested and I was also very impressed. Uh, so take that as, as you will, as a compliment, but you had a practice round day. I think it was Wednesday. You went out with all these Euro tour guys. Uh, you know, I mean, the, you know, what was it? It was like, you played with who? Poulter. Was it Poulter? Yeah. Poulter, Wallace and Henrik Stenson. Yeah. And, and like, I, I don't know. I just, that to me as a fan of golf, that to me as an observer of the game, that is one of those moments that to me is just such a master's moment where you play a practice round with a different group of people. Is that something you do week to week? Is that a one-off here? How did that come about? Kind of how was that experience? It's definitely more prevalent in the majors because um, there's no pro-am. So you, you know, and the players championship as well, because you have more opportunities to just play practice rounds. And, um, you know, typically if, if, you know, for the Zurich, for instance, coming up next week, I'm going to get in uh, Monday. I'm going to practice, but I'm going to go play nine holes on Tuesday. And I know this is probably a little bit of a special example, but I'd probably play with the same person anyways. I'm playing with Taylor for nine holes, and then you go do your Pro-Am Wednesday. So you really only get nine holes or so to pick your, your you know, pick a group, and you want to play with the people that, you know, you typically play with. And in the majors, you kind of just go out and, you know, play with, anybody and especially at Augusta the biggest piece of advice I've gotten from you know Mark Blackburn or, or even like Fred Couples who I got to play with on Monday is you know play with people who have played here you know do your best to play with people with some experience uh to help you along and that's you know that's that's especially prevalent at Augusta but even at all the all the majors you want to go see how these guys are kind of preparing for the hardest golf courses of the year so um I've been getting closer to Matt Wallace we've been talking a bit hadn't played with him yet and uh he kind of reached out and said, you know, we should play on Wednesday. I said, cool. And he's, you know, I said, I don't have anybody else uh, with me. So, you know, if you want to grab somebody, you can. And then, you know, he asked me if it was cool if Stenson and Poulter came along, we'll play a little game. I was in, I, I really liked both of those guys. Uh, it honestly was probably the most fun practice round I've had <laughs> this year. Uh, <laughs> Poulter is hilarious. His caddy Terry, he had him do the water skip shot on uh, 16. Terry cold shanked it on camera. I saw that. One of the saddest moments I've seen <laughs> it for one person to have. The moment he hit it, he just put his head down and walked over towards us. And he's like, not facing the camera. He's like, I cannot believe that's on camera. I can't believe that's on camera. He tells Ian, he's like, please don't post that on Instagram. And Ian, who is hilarious, is laughing while he's saying, it's already posted. <laughs> like, I did it immediately. Uh, it was truly a lot of fun. Um, you know, we the, 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 the joke, you know, with the Ryder cup stuff is always funny because there's definitely some kind of innate uh, hostility between the euros and the Americans when it comes to this. And it's all in good fun when we're playing on a Wednesday at Augusta, but you know, they're talking about it and we're the only me and Joe are the only Americans in the group. And uh, you know, they're making fun of, you know, all the, how loud Americans are. And Joe and I are just kind of talking as we're walking on the fairway about, I, I just said, I seem to gravitate and really enjoy a lot of the European European players and Australian players so much and it just seems like they're they're just a lot of fun um you know uh they not saying that the Americans are I don't really know much about a lot of the European guys personally so getting to know Matt a bit better has been cool to just I I, I appreciate you know being around great golf you don't want to limit yourself 
defense one group of people. So I just felt really lucky that I got invited to go out with them. Like I said, we had a lot of laughs. It was, I couldn't take the smile off my face. It was just a really good time, but yeah, it was, uh, it's one of those rare things, especially at a, you know, at a major that sticks out more is you end up playing with people that you don't typically play with quite as much, uh, leading up to a tournament and you get to, you know, play with someone like Ian Poulter, who's obviously one of the more famous people to ever through come through the game of golf. And you get to see him where he's, you know, more talkative. And he was my partner that day. So really enjoying learning about Ian kind of and, and, and him learning about me and, and being able to just kind of shoot the shit a little bit more and not be so much in our own in our own golf games. And I, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. Did you guys uh, take him down or what? We did. Uh, we did. We uh, we were down early uh, and then we. Ian and I both played real well coming in. They, uh, as Matt Wallace said, he said that he and Stenson folded quicker than a master's uh, chair, uh, <laughs> which was kind of true. We pretty good, pretty good. And then I birdied 18 to win the press. So it was, a, you know, it was fun. Uh, all three of those guys made the cut. I didn't, so I guess they had the last one. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I had a couple laughs on Wednesday. Hey, so Thursday, you know, we get this November Masters and you expected it to be softer and cooler and it was just going to play different i mean it's kind of what you talked about on the open but you get to thursday <laughs> like what hole are you on where you're going what the hell is this golf course because it was just so difficult guys were shooting you know there we we're seeing these crazy numbers you know sunjay makes nine from just over the green at 15 what were you thinking as you're playing this really stiff test that was the thursday at augusta yeah, we, uh, I noticed it on Monday on my second hole in the practice round on 11. I hit a putt, and I looked at Joe, and I said, this is not the Augusta I've played before. <laughs> like, this is already different. And, yeah, uh, Thursday was one of the hardest uh, tests of golf I've ever, ever played. Um, it just puts into perspective just how amazing what Justin Rose did that day. It just wasn't out there. Uh, it just – there was – Augusta has a very fine line between a good shot and a bad shot, or at least a good shot and a marginal shot, where you're going to be struggling for par. And um, it already has that. And then you add in how firm those greens were on Thursday and how fast they were. And it became, it became insanely small of a, of a, of a line between what good and absolutely dead was. And I noticed it first and foremost on the third hole. Um, I hit a four tee shot and uh, was short of the green and two up where Bryson had hit his driver and Bryson shit before I did. It's a really hard shot as anybody knows from short of three to that middle left pin. And Bryson had a really, really good pitch. And I was kind of up by the green when he hit it. So I could kind of watch what it did. And he hits it up there two, three feet. And uh, I walked back down to my ball and ended up taking one more peek back up at the, at the hole to like see my landing spot. And Bryson's ball was 15 feet from the hole. And it looked like it was about to stop <laughs> like a gimme. And now it's on the back fringe. And I looked at Joe and I'm like, holy cow, Bryson has 15 feet. I thought he just hit it to, you know, almost kick in. And uh, that's when it first, that's when it set in that this, today was, you know, that day was going to be a freaking grind. Um, nine was one of the craziest greens I've been on. It was just might as well be this five freeway that I'm driving on. It was so slick and so firm. Um, but it, again, it was kind of what you want when you play Augusta national in the masters, you want it to be hard. You want it to be firm and fast. You want to have to think you want great shots to be rewarded and bad ones uh, to be kind of penalized. And that's what it was. Um, but you can see that if you play great, you could shoot seven under like Justin did. Um, and if you play poorly, you're going to get kind of kicked. So uh, I thought it was a great test. Too, and it was, like you said, it was so different from November. Where you left it was so much more important 
than anything else. And then it was, uh, it's difficult when it's kind of like, quote unquote, my first time doing that there. Uh, I hadn't had to deal with that before, uh, considering the softness that it had in November. So it did feel kind of like a, a first time around, given even more credit to somebody like Will Zalatoris, who had immense success considering, you know, he that, that's, he didn't know, he knew he knew basically as much as I did and maybe a little bit less. So I don't know. It was a really cool test. The Masters and Augusta National is just so difficult, so demanding, and, and something that I, I think, you know, you can just see on TV why the fans love it so much. It's because it is a really just phenomenal uh, 72 holes of golf. Hey guys, wanted to take a quick break to tell you about our friends at Rapsodo. The mobile launch monitor is the only golf launch monitor that provides instant feedback with video replay and active shot tracker and data overlay. And they're great. You, you talk about information. That's what we need when we practice. I think so many of us go to the driving range without a goal or, or something to accomplish. And this gives you it right away. You can set this up extremely easy. You download this app, have it on your phone, set the phone up right behind your golf balls when you're going to practice and swing on the driving range, and boom, that's all you need. And you're going to get unbelievable information. You can use it indoor and outdoor, which is huge. And uh, the accuracy of the Rapsodo mobile launch monitor, it's within 2% of the units that cost upwards of $20,000. And that's important because the costs of Rapsodo is $500. So compare that to $20,000, $500, it's a pretty good deal. And right now they're offering a limited time discount of $75. If you visit rapsodo.com slash grip and use the code grip, boom, at 75 more dollars off. And if you just go through the year and dive into some stats uh, of professional golfers and, and the importance of knowing your information, uh, go back a couple of weeks ago, Jordan Spieth gained 12.89 strokes on the field, tee to green. That was the most over 72 holes of any of his 12 PGA Tour victories. 12.89 strokes from tee to green. Incredible. And then go back to the first major of the year on the LPGA Tour, the ANA Inspiration. Patty Tavitanikit, driving distance numbers, 326 yards off the tee. So these are important stats, important numbers. The pros know them. We should know them as well. And for a very affordable number, you can get a Rapsodo device, and all of a sudden that number's the numbers that you need will be right at your hands, available after every single golf swing. Let's get a little smarter on the golf course. Visit Rapsodo and check out everything they have. Rapsodo Mobile Launch Monitor. Again, if you go to rapsodo.com slash grip and use the code grip, you'll save $75 off your order. It's awesome. I use it. I love it. You should as well. When you now going through it twice in two different conditions, what can you tell us that we haven't heard before? Not from a broadcaster, you know, not from a, a golfer that played Augusta. Like what is, what makes it special for a player? You know, what, what are golf shots or, or things you have to do that maybe we don't always attach to when you watch? You have to play angles just because the way the green sits. So for instance, like nine, nine, the green sits where it's, it needs to kind of a draw into that green to hold, or if you play a cut, it needs to be really, really precise on your number because you don't have as much room for the ball to stop. However, that second shot is off a downslope, sometimes with the ball below your feet. So that is just making it more and more difficult to hit a draw in there. So 
you have to be really, really artistic. And I mean that not only uh, in the approach shots, but around the greens, on the greens, because of how much break there is. Uh, even off the tees at times, you have to find shots that are going to work and get you in the right spot. So I feel like it, in, in, a, in the modern game, which feels like it's a lot more, you know, track man golf and a lot more uh, mechanical almost and, and more rigid in a, in a, for lack of a better term, it is, it, it doesn't really lend itself to that as much. You have to be an artist. You have to work the ball. You have to, or you have to make that choice. If I'm going to hit the shot that fits my eye better, it better be on point, you know? So it kind of just tests you in that in that vein. And I also think that the biggest thing I learned from November that I took to this year's Masters, and again, I know it didn't work great, but I do think that it's a valuable learning experience or at least something to keep in the back of my mind, is that every shot at Augusta almost tests you and says, hey, I'm right here. You can hit because it's, they're not impossible by any means. You can hit it close to any pin. However, if you are off, just by the slightest, it's like, okay, well, I tested you and you're going to make a bogey at least now because there's nowhere to go from here. I cannot explain to you how, how downhill the second shot is uh, with your stance to a green again that you kind of need to draw it into. And for a righty, that's just really, really demanding. So it's just so much more precision than people could really ever grasp. And uh, like I said, it kind of stares you in the face and says, come on, like, come, come, come get me. And it's like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm going to get you this time. And it's, you know, that's where you see the separation. That's why I do believe that the best player that week always wins the Masters because you have to go through so many things. You have to be artistic and solid in every single aspect of your game. As much as people say that off the tee, it's quite easy. Yeah, it's easy in the sense that you're not going to lose a lot of golf balls. It's insanely hard when you're not in the correct spot off the tee. So it's just the entire package is necessary to play, you know, one good round, let alone four uh, at the Masters. So, Max, we, we have been conditioned to think that, you know, the toughest test, the hardest test, the test that every player every year has to figure out is the U.S. Open. And, and I, I kind of go through U.S. Open golf courses all the time, you know, Oakmont, Wingfoot, Shinnecock, Pebble. You kind of go through the checklist of the ones that are typically in the rotation and they're hard golf courses, uniquely hard, right? All different. But kind of listening to you talk. It sounds like you're kind of hinting that Augusta might be the most unique test in golf. I mean, I know you've had a chance to play in a couple of U.S. Opens. Is this the most unique test? Is this golf course the one that tests you guys the most? I would say 100%. I think that um, obviously the scores at the U.S. Open tend to be much higher and uh, for good reason. But I just think that the test at Augusta is all-encompassing. It's okay. every aspect of your game. I'm not saying that you you can get away with much at the U S open, but it does feel like if you don't drive the ball well at Augusta, you're kind of dead. Like it's just, it feels like that's the most important thing is quite obviously right in front of your face. Hey, you better not be in this rough. And like I mentioned before, if you don't drive it where you're looking, those second shots become significantly more difficult. So it, I guess to the viewers, uh, look into the golf course as you watch, it's like, oh, he's in the fairway, he'll be fine. But it's like, yeah, you might be fine, but you're you're officially no longer the aggressor. And whereas at the U.S. Open, you're probably more of the like playing defense more often. But it's quite simple. Like if I miss the fairway at the U.S. Open, everybody knows watching. Okay, he's gonna have a hard time to make a par. And it values, you know, the U.S. Open will value your kind of mental toughness and your uh, grit and your short game and and all those things. But it does seem to 
at least at Wingsville for me, I know a lot of people weren't hitting a lot of fairways, but if you were driving a short and crooked and on certain holes, if you miss the fairway, it's just, you have absolutely no chance. So in this, you always have a chance and it's going to require a great shot from even if you're in the perfect spot in the fairway, but I just feel like you're always, there's no breathing where I do feel like at a U.S. Open at times, if you hit the fairway, uh, you know, and you're not, you know, it's not too long of a hole. You do have a chance to be very aggressive and to, to make that hole uh, look somewhat easy. Um, I don't think that there's a shot at Augusta National that has that. You know, 13, I've played really, really well in, in my career at Augusta. I, I've birdied it all four times. However, that second shot is frightening. Um, I don't care how much success you have. You can make it look really easy, and then you can do kind of what Justin Thomas did on Saturday and make it make a mess of it. And it, it you're just always on that line of, of greatness or, or kind of terror. And um, I just find that to be why I, I would say that Augusta and, and the Masters is kind of the toughest test, but I mean it more as you, it requires everything out of you every time. Whereas I do feel like, you know, at some of the other majors, especially the U.S. Open, uh, there's going to be certain parts that are much more important than maybe other parts, which isn't bad. I love, I kind of love that because it, it, you're, you're setting up for certain, certain winners um, to, to have to very glaringly show off a certain area of their game. Um, but I think at Augusta, I think many people can win and uh, you just have to do everything, you know, really well throughout the entire week. So uh, you you get you get paired up with Bryson. Uh, I gotta. I, I would not be doing my job if I didn't ask at least one Bryson question. Um, how was it? How was watching him? Uh, did he did he hit driver everywhere? And and I'm guessing I didn't watch much of Bryson because I didn't have him in my groups. But I'm guessing it, it it wasn't. It didn't look like he hit it the straightest for the week. It was not super straight. <laughs> um, he sure hits it hard. Uh, you know, Adam Scott was absolutely smashing it off the tee. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Bryson obviously played amazing on Friday and played pretty poorly on Thursday. Uh, but, you know, he yeah, he was kind of all over the place on Thursday, and Friday he cleaned it up. Um, he putted really well, I thought, both days. He didn't make a ton, but he hit a lot of good putts. And Zion game was pretty on. He he. he didn't really beat up the par fives, uh, especially that first day. Um, but you can just see, you know, he can kind of manhandle a golf course at times and just totally overpower it. Uh, he did make one funny remark uh, on nine on Thursday. He was having a bad day, you know, for the first eight or nine holes and gets on a nine. And the green, like I said, was really ridiculous. Like it was pushing like this isn't fair. Uh, and I hate to say that, but it was on that verge that we were the third to last group. So that's kind of was a big part of it. It was getting windy and it was just very crusty and it was still fair, but you know, that was the whole Jordan speed four putt on and it right. was getting, it was getting dicey and he hits this putt and it just like kind of keeps rolling, rolls three feet, four feet by. And I heard him say something like, man, I've just never played on greens like this. He was kind of like getting flustered. And I looked at Joe and I said, does he realize he won at Bay Hill? Like, <laughs> A month and a half ago, it was just like this, if not harder there. So it's just kind of funny. But that's what Augusta will do to you. It'll, it'll kind of push your buttons. And I think they it pushed his buttons a little bit the first day. But the second day, he got his revenge, shot five under. It looked so clean and easy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's a tremendous golfer. He does, you know, he doesn't have to be all the way on to, to play really good rounds of golf. And, you know, he drives it so far down there. And at times, you know, any, any hole he hits a straight drive, it's all of a sudden just like a – 
pretty obvious birdie opportunity, especially if it's a par five, it becomes such an eagle hole. Um, but yeah, you know, he, uh, he obviously didn't have his best uh, for the whole week, but it was fun getting to see him play. Um, his short game is really good. Every part of his game is solid. So he does a, he does a really good job of managing all, all aspects of it. Uh, and yeah, at any time you can kind of get hot and it just looks, it looked his five under on Friday looked just so easy because it didn't feel like he was doing a whole lot. And you look up and he's just, you know, he beat me by seven. And I felt like I played, you know, not great by any means, but I mean, I played solid golf. I wasn't hitting it all over the, all over the yard. Uh, and he, you know, gets up there and, and kind of just does what he does and could just kind of was a bear to the golf course that day. I, I was laughing when I saw your group come out because you got, you know, you, you get you, you know, pr- pretty, Pretty chill guy. You got Adam Scott, pretty chill guy. And then you get Bryce. Maybe the chillest guy here. <laughs> you get Bryson mixed in with you two. Uh, had you played, had you played a, a lot of golf with Adam Scott before? That was my first time. It was awesome. Okay. Um, I was, you know, everybody I think, or at least every dude is like head over heels with Adam Scott. He's right. like, what do you want to be? You want to have a perfect golf swing. Be really good looking. Look like you just surf on the side. Um, he just kind of has all that like cool stuff about him. So it was really funny, super friendly. Like I really enjoyed my time with him, but yeah, it was definitely a interesting three ball because Adam and myself are quite a bit, you know, kind of a little more to ourselves and a, like a little bit, uh, I guess more even keeled and Bryson goes through a bit more of the emotion. <laughs> so kind of <laughs> juxtaposing us to him was kind of interesting. Uh, but then again, he beat the hell out of us. So uh, what do we know? Um, but yeah, it was definitely a, a, a very interesting group for sure. Which hole at Augusta do you feel like you still haven't figured out? And which hole at Augusta do you feel like you've got? I, and I'm assuming considering the way you said you played 13, it might be 13, but uh, let, let's go with that. Five, seven, and three. Uh, are tricky. I think I've figured out three. I just need to execute better. Five, um, you know, I, I had practiced Saturday morning at Augusta with Mark and Joe, and we went, before we hit any balls, we went through the whole course, and, and Joe had me write in my notes, if I were a caddy, how I'd play all the holes, or nice. have my player play all the holes, and and that helped a bit, but we went through all of them, and I would say that, like I said, I think we have a pretty solid uh, foundation of how we'll play three from now on, but like five, the tee shot, just doesn't fit my eye. I don't think it fits a lot of people's eyes. So trying to find a shot that works off that tee better uh, is a big, big deal that I, I need to kind of figure out. And then the second shot on seven um, with the hanging lie and just where to leave it. That one just was, it's been, it's been just kicking my butt when I've played it. And it's, again, I don't, it's part of his it execution in the second shot, but a lot of it is, you know, the first day, uh, I hit a second shot off that hanging lie with a wedge. And it's going right at it. And I think it's going to be real good. And it comes up short in the bunker. I make par. And then the next day I have the same shot, but a pin on the right. So one that you would be a little more aggressive with, with that hanging lie, it comes off a little left and it goes long in the bunker and you're dead and make bogey. And it's just like, just, it just doesn't sit with me real well uh, because it's the same shot as the second shot on nine, which I think I've hit it inside of 10 feet every time I've played it. Uh, but for some reason, that second shot on seven just hasn't, you know, I haven't figured it out really yet. Um, and then, the, yeah, I would say 13 fits. Uh, like, I, I feel like that one suits me. I, I really feel like I've played 14 and 17 really well. Interesting. Which is, um, I'm proud of because, you know, they both kind of 
look like you need to hit a draw off the tee and I've I've found either a straight drive or one that is a really nice tight cut that's fit really nicely and I've played those holes quite well uh, which is good for being like kind of tougher or at least 17 17 is a tougher par four um, so I feel like those I'm quite happy with and pleased with how I've played um, but those three especially you know five and seven on the front are the ones that when I go back, they'll be the ones I need to spend the most time on and hitting that second shot or hitting the tee shot on five till I feel a bit more comfortable about, um, about you know, what what I'm going to do before I hit the shot. Because once you get over it, you're going to have little mishits when you when the lies are that difficult. Um, but just having a better plan, I would say. You know, I, I was thinking about it as I, as I left Friday that, you know, a place like Riviera or Pebble has always just, I feel like I know what shot I'm going to hit on every hole before I hit it. Uh, before I even get to the hole. And at Augusta, there's there's those few holes where I still don't know what I'm going to do when I when I show up. And um, I feel like that kind of lent itself to some lack of commitment maybe or, or uh, something along, along those lines. So, uh, But that's kind of what Augusta does. There's just not a lot of easy shots. You know, you can look at you're hitting 12, the, the tee shot on 12 off a tee flat line, and you just can't feel less comfortable. Um, so it's just an interesting interesting place in that vein you could do all the prep you want but the 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 lies and the stances are just so difficult that um i feel like it does take you know maybe a couple times to go around to get used to what shot you're going to play and which one will work the best off of those uh in those scenarios yeah you you were uh what was the day was it thursday or friday on 13 when you hit it it stayed up oh thursday that was amazing i think it's because i played with freddie on on Monday, he gave me some <laughs> secret juice. Well, you, uh, I was following along, and um, I was just kind of seeing where you were at, and that stayed up, and you had kind of a run there because you got that up and down, uh, and and you were just kind of, you know, the the hard thing is, I feel like especially on Thursday, but I mean any of the any of the days of the weeks where it's playing tough, is we as golf fans expect birdies on certain holes, thirteen being one, obviously fifteen. And when the golf course is the way it was this past week, there's no givens for anybody, you know? So, I mean, you saw Hideki do it on 15 on Sunday. It's, it's easy to make bogey on any of these holes. So you go through this stretch and you think, finally, I get a hole I, I can make birdie on. And that shot you hit into 13, it wasn't that far off line. It comes up a little short, maybe a little right of your line, but it comes up, you know, it bounces down there. And if it goes in the water, it's like, now I'll make six on this hole I need to make birdie on. I just feel like that's got to be such the mental battle at Augusta, you know? hundred percent. That shot on 13 on Thursday, it's one of those where, you know, I've played enough golf to know that what feels good and what feels synced up. And before I look up, I can typically, you know, guess what that ball is going to do. And that, again, that lie is so far above your feet. So it's going to hook for a righty and you get over it. And, you know, we decided we we're going to try to hit a five iron that starts at the pin and then draws, you know, to the left half of the green. And if, you know, best case scenario, it'll be right in the middle and it'll hit that hill and kind of get 25 feet short of the hole. Regal. And I hit that ball. And right when I hit it, like in my head, I just remember thinking, oh, you know, hell yeah, I flushed that thing. That's going to be great. And I look up and it started right at the pin and it's just not drawing. And you're just like sitting there like, what could I have done to make that draw? Because you're expecting <laughs> it to do so off that lie. And it lands right at the pin. Um, again, like I, I would say it was a, it was a really good swing, um, but the club we hit was not to be flown at the pin because that green angles to the right. So it's just not going to cover the, the yards it needs to. And obviously got really lucky, but you just, you just can't believe that like, you know, what shot could I have played different than that? 
because you, you don't want to give up hitting a good shot. Um, so that was one of those shocking ones. And then, yeah, then, then on Thursday on 15, I had to lay up and I had 68 yards and it's, you know, in a bit of a bowl and it's a shot that you typically on an average golf course would be licking your chops about to hit it close. And we had just watched Sunday in front of us, as you referenced earlier, make a nine from just long of the green. And you're sitting over the 68 yard shot, just sweating, <laughs> thinking, how the hell am I going to make a par? And I hit this shot that lands one yard short of the pin, exactly where we're trying to land it bounces up to the back of the uh, slope doesn't come down because it's just too firm. And now you have this putt that I have never hit a putt softer in my life that go rolled out 18 feet. And you're just like, man, like just so again, so much defense <laughs> on a shot that on the PJ tour, we are trying to nearly make, let alone, you know, in this case, just try not to make a bogey. Right. It's just such a, so demanding, uh, but also again, so fun because that's how it should be. Like I had to lay up. The other two guys in the group made birdie because they had great drives and were able to go for it in two and be, you know, on the back part of the green. And I, now I'm in a spot where I shouldn't be rewarded for a bad drive and one good layup shot. You know, I should have to grind and, and, and be in a tough spot. And, you know, it just, it's a testament to the golf course, obviously. It's just, it, there's, there's nothing easy. It doesn't give you much. Cause even if you did hit a good drive, you have a tough six iron or five iron or seven iron, whatever they had in over water. So it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's like you said, you can hit good shots that don't look good at all. So one thing I found very interesting, you know, kind of following along certain players every day, and you brought up five. The one thing I found so interesting this year, because I was obviously way more into the Masters in terms of watching it and being and, and paid attention to every shot I'm seeing, is how many three woods came out on one and how many three woods came out off the tee on five? You know, these are really long par fours. You're not getting a whole bunch of roll. Is that the game plan you went with? I mean, is that something that is just the the way to play those holes? One, I don't really agree with three woods. Okay. Um, I don't think that that right bunker is nearly that penal unless you get hosed behind one of the lips. Um Again, now, to be fair, I cut my driver really well. So, like, that tee shot on one really fits my eye. Five, I get a lot more. We had talked about maybe hitting three with there in the future Masters we play in because those left bunkers are auto layup. There's not one chance in hell you can get it to the green <laughs> with, like, a five iron or a six iron out of that bunker. I don't De care. Well, De De Dustin, Dustin might be able to like that rib shot. Dustin maybe, but good <laughs> God, even he, I'd be amazed. And it's just you're dead. It, it, it's just a hazard. It's basically like a nearly stroke and distance you're just pitching out sideways so i get five a lot more one i don't really agree with um but again everybody's eye is different but those bunkers right on one don't i mean they just don't seem to be that penal they look a little worse than they are but the ones on five you just can't imagine how impossible they are when you're in them there's there's nothing you can do so um yeah i don't know uh but I guess the, the whole point of it is is that people are playing the hole backwards and you're thinking, okay, one and five are so demanding. I just want to be around the green and two so I have a chance at par on right. these really demanding holes. And it's like, okay, well, then how are you going to do that? What's the best strategy? It's like, well, I just want to be in the fairway off the tee. And it's like, okay, you're going to be in the fairway, but you're going to have, you know, 240. And well, okay, I'm okay with that because I know I'll be able to leave it somewhere where I'm looking on the second shot. And I'll hopefully, you know, my, my odds of making par now have gone up. So I guess that's the thinking. So you hung around uh, Saturday and Sunday. You went out and watched some golf. I, 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 I saw a picture of you in a very, very snazzy Masters uh, sweater on one of the days. What, what were you just 
Did, were you not planning on leaving until Sunday? Did you just want to go out and watch some golf? Kind of what would you do on the weekend? Well, we changed our flight to Saturday night, but uh, Mark uh, and Joe wanted to practice Saturday morning, which I thought would be a good idea. I'm not going to see Mark before the Zurich. So uh, we figured we'd go out there and, and just kind of get a lesson in, basically just, you know, at Augusta National, not your most common place to just get to go hit some <laughs> balls. So we got a good couple hours of work in, and my family had left, but Lacey's family stayed for the whole weekend to watch. So uh, I was done maybe around noon or one, and uh, Lacey and I guess my dad was there too. So Lacey and my dad, we went and met up with uh, Lacey's family. They were sitting behind seven or to the side of seven green. And uh, I went in, I wanted to be slightly incognito. So I went in and bought a, you know, a couple shirts from the pro shop, uh, <laughs> which was, you know, cool. I got out there. It was really fun. I had a few, a few domestic light beers, Nice. Uh, <laughs> you know, just kind of got amongst it with, with the fans, you know, it's, I don't know. It was underrated. Uh, I, I felt really, really lucky and appreciative that I got to play the masters. No doubt. And I, I would much rather compete in the masters than watch it and be a patron. However, I had never gotten to, you know, be at, on the ground at Augusta to watch a Masters. I'd never been, at, you know, been able to do that. So I was like, well, I don't want to huff and puff my way out of here. If I'm going to be here to practice, I might as well go, you know, see what it's all about. And it lived up to the hype. Not having the phone was so cool. Um, the best. So I don't know. I just, I wanted, yeah, it's the best. I just wanted to, I don't know. I didn't want to ruin the week just because I didn't play well. I wanted to, to experience what it's all about. And, you know, it's, Definitely, I was a bit salty that I, you know, wasn't getting to play. But, um, you know, what are you going to do? I, I tried. I tried to, you know, I tried my best to be there for four days. I got my work in in the morning, and then we left Saturday night. So it was cool. Um, I was really happy I did it. Um, I was glad I didn't, like, tarnish the whole experience because it's something that I was trying to remind myself that a lot of people would, would be really thankful uh, to, to just have that opportunity to sit for two, three hours like, I did and watch some golf come through at Augusta national. So uh, definitely a, uh, an experience I'm, I'm going to look back on and remember and uh, be thankful that I got to kind of, kind of go through all that with, with some family. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're, you're there and you're there for work. I'm there for work, uh, different work, but you know, kind of doing the same and you get caught up in what you're doing. Right. And uh, it was mm-hmm. Wednesday. Uh, we'd had a couple of meetings. I think I, I'd done a hit on, or I was doing a hit a little bit later in the day. And um, I, I, I reached out to, to Damon. I was like, Hey, do you want to go walk the back? You know, like, do you want to go walk the the second nine and, and just go out there and experience it? Cause again, you're like, you're there for your job and it, you have to sometimes remind yourself to your point, you know, this is Augusta national. I mean, when I was 20 or 25 or, you know, whatever, I, I would have done anything to get this opportunity. Right. And so hack and I went out and, and walked, uh, 10 through 14 and then walked 17, 18 and, uh, walked down by 16. And, and, and it was just you, I think sometimes we get caught up in our lives or our situations and there are just certain things that you should go do. And so I remember I saw Brad Dalkey out there one year on a Saturday after he'd missed the cut and he was out there and he's like, where else would I be? So uh, I, I like the fact that you went out there and got a chance to walk around. Yeah, I'm glad you got to walk around too. How many times have you been there? I think this was my fourth or fifth time uh, there. I, I've I covered it two or three times as a writer. Uh, this was my first time uh, to be on the TV side of stuff. I went once or twice, just kind of in a in a hang around capacity, <laughs> basically when I was kind of in between things. But 
yeah, four or five times. And, uh, you know, you kind of kind of walk around sometimes, like you said, not having a phone, having a drink in your hand, having a sandwich. It's oh. it's in having a conversation. You're just talking to who you're with. It's just so cool. It was heaven, dude. I was that was the coolest part. Um, Dan, I had a lot of good feedback for you from my buddies that watch the golf. How was it? Kind of a pinch me moment uh, yeah. for you to get to call some golf at, at the Masters. I imagine that's got to be high up there on the bucket list. I, I mean, much like you, much like your experience there in November, and even now, you know, when I'm sure you had these moments every day where you kind of were looking around and you had that moment where you go. I, I I'm here, you know, I'm playing the masters, you know, for yeah. me, it was that kind of the same thing. You, I, I, I was talking to Cindy about this uh, when I got back, but you know, I was in 2019, I was, I was at the masters and I was doing some speaking engagements and I didn't have a whole bunch of work to do. You know, I just did a couple things here and there. I wasn't there with the media badge. I wasn't out, you know, at, at the media center doing work like that. I went out a couple of times and um, there was this feeling like I was there, but I wasn't really there for anything, you know? And, uh, and so being busy, you know, getting a chance to be a part of the masters.com coverage, and then also be a part of, of live from, you know, in the evenings, every night, uh, it was busy and, and, you know, it was a lot of work, but it was awesome work and it was everything I ever would have wanted. You know, I mean, looking back on this as a kid, I, I, I still remember Oh four, you know, Phil winning. I was at my aunt's lake house. There was like 30 of us huddled around a TV, probably the size of a normal iPad now. <laughs> And like to see that now, like where I'm at now, getting a chance to do this versus then, it's just it's like it's like you can't believe you get these opportunities, you know? Yeah, it's just I don't know. It's uh, the thing I've worked on the most since leaving uh, Augusta last November was trying to be more present and 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 just being a little bit happier. And I just felt like when I, you know, I was pretty bummed when I left the course Friday. But you wake up Saturday and you think to yourself, well, you know, if you're in the now, like what can you do to make, you know, today the best? And it's like, well, I'm at freaking Augusta national with a player badge. I can go anywhere I want. <laughs> Let's go whack some balls and go watch some golf. I mean, that's the best option I have for the day. And it's a pretty damn good option. So let's go, let's go, you know, put a smile on and be happy about where you are. And I feel like same for you, you know, you gotta, like you said, you get caught up in what you're doing at times and, and we, for good reason, it's a big spot and, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a lot of work, but at the same time, you, you gotta, you gotta kind of be, I guess, grateful and appreciative of where you are and try to take advantage of what it has to offer. Yeah. I mean, again, it, like every night, right. I mean, I'd get done doing the work and, you know, you're driving back to your hotel and I just, I kept having these moments where I, I just, it was like emotional. I mean, you know, not emotional to the point where I'm like bawling on the way home or anything, but you know, for me, you know, being a guy that wanted to do TV since I was a kid and wanted to, to be on SportsCenter and, you know, now, you know, kind of moving into more of the reactionary stuff to live sports and occasionally getting a chance to call live sports and live golf. You know, I mean, it's I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there doing a hit at night and Scott Van Pelt's next to you in the ESPN studio doing a hit at night. And, you know, you, you realize that, that your calls are going out on the master's official social media accounts. You know, it's just you I, I still I still have a hard time believing it happened. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, it was a wild week, dude. I, I remember when I left Shinnecock, you know, that was the first time I got a chance to be kind of in the in the world of calling the U.S. Open. And 
Brad and I had our own set and Joe and Zinger had their own set. And I remember that Sunday night, just leaving Shinnecock, you know, and you kind of, you're going, you know, you're a part of the U S open. Like, yeah. How is that possible? And, you know, I'd leave in like, you're a part of the masters, like in a capacity, right? I mean, you understand your capacity, but it's for a person that wanted to do this. It was, it was quite a special week. And I think I'm, Honestly, I think I'm still coming down from it, to be fair. You know, I'm still I'm still really trying to totally grasp it. I, I don't think everybody involved in sports sometimes understands what a week can mean for certain people. And uh, I'll remember 2021 Masters for a long time. I, I'll tell you that. Speaking of that, I mean, gosh, I just can't get over how much this must mean to not only Hideki Matsuyama, it's crazy. but all of Japan. I can't stress enough the two times i've been to japan how big and important golf is i was rooting for you know xander to win he's my buddy i play with him like i was definitely rooting for him but at the same time watching hideki get through that and win and do it for the triumph of a nation is i i, I don't i tweeted about it i said I, you know i'd be nervous I, I'm, I'm nervous sometimes playing for my family let alone playing for an entire country I, I am so happy for him. That was a big spot to be put in. His entire life is is a big spot. He just is carrying the weight of a lot of people on his back. And to do it at Augusta and, and, and all the media stuff you'd have to do, even if it wasn't something like that, is is tremendous and it's a lot to it's a lot to deal with. And he, he you know, him getting it done with all the extraneous stuff that is attached to that was wild. Like I felt borderline emotional for him uh, as he walked off 18 that was that was as cool as it gets yeah I, i'm the same way as you i had a great I, I got a great text from a friend of mine sunday morning he said he said i i never have felt myself rooting for hideki before and i'm not sure i've ever gone into a day where i root i'm gonna root for someone harder you know so you know, Hideki's a great pro and he's won and, and he's been nearly number one in the world. Like we know all about Hideki, but I just think headed into the final round, knowing what was at stake, it was really hard for people not to hope Hideki won. And so to see him get it done and to see him, you know, get the green jacket and to be justified as this generational talent, you know, from a, like you said, a golf obsessed area was quite the moment to see. And and I've said a lot, I've said it a lot. I've said it a couple of interviews and stuff. Like we will never understand how big this win was, you know, we'll never understand yeah, never. the impact the win had, but to just kind of see him do it and to see him get it done was, it was like you said, it was emotional. It, it's the masters does that, right? It just gives us these emotions. You watch Kenny Perry, who most people have no, there's no invested interest in, in Kenny Perry. Right. And then you see him on Sunday at Augusta. You're like, I want this guy to win. You know? And then you see Tiger in 2019 and people are crying like he needs to win one more. And then you get Hideki. It's just, it's just so, it's just such a freaking cool week, man. It's just such a cool week. Yeah. It brings out everything and everyone emotionally and, you know, physically, it's just a demanding big, big, big spot for anybody. So I don't know. It made Hideki's even just more grand. I uh, I have a, a mini rant I wanna I wanna throw your way, uh, and it it occurred it occurred when I sent I sent something out about Tony Finau 
uh, eight top tens in his last 12 majors. Uh, as somebody that plays golf, how impressed are you when you hear stuff like that? Oh, yeah, it's unbelievable. That's like what I strive for in the game of golf is consistency, as everyone does. But I look at just a body of work um, so much more so than, you know, a few great weeks. Uh, so when you just see somebody's, you know, the, their page on official World Golf Ranking, uh, their website, you just see a bunch of single-digit results, <laughs> whether ninth, eighth, you know, seventh. Like, that's just – you're like, all right, that guy's a great golfer. Right. I don't, I don't care what anybody says. We could argue the thing about wins and, 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 and you know, no wins or not enough wins, whatever. Uh, great golf is great golf, and, and top tens is a sign of great golf, and he's doing it, and, and, and Xander's doing it in the biggest tournaments in the world um, year in and year out. And I don't know. I, I – I, I, I'm so over um, trying to explain my end of that in the sense that, like, I don't want to get into a debate with somebody about it because it's just your own personal feel. But that's why I feel you prove you're a great golfer by by results, top tens, and consistent results. And like, like th- I don't know. This is a, probably a poor example, but Tiger made 142 cuts in a row at one point in his career. It's the greatest record I think in sports. And had he won zero of those events, I how, would you? I don't know if I'd look at him a ton differently. I mean, yes, I'd look at him differently, but you would you would still say, man, that is just you are one of a kind golfer, like just absolutely unbelievable. Um, so I don't know. I, I I I feel I feel for some you know some guys I guess that that you know quote unquote should win more or have been in that position more often. But like I said, great golf is great golf, and and I I couldn't be more impressed by people who just rack up these top tens like they're like they're easy because they are absolutely not yeah and so you know I, I send that thing out on twitter about his run these top tens he's had in these majors and i got a couple people you know bringing up backdoor top tens and much like on this podcast we've done with moving day which is a term neither max or i like that much uh, because every day you can move up and down a leaderboard uh top 10 is a top 10 it doesn't matter if you shoot 65 on sunday or 75 on Sunday to finish in the top 10, the place is where you finish. Like every day is a round of golf. The final round matters more in terms of the result than the first round does. But if you're out of contention, you shoot 67 on Sunday to jump into the top 10, that's not easy to do. And and it takes a lot to fire a good final round when you're not in contention. I mean, it's not easy to go out there and shoot some stellar number when you're in 30th. And so to me, I'm just, I'm sick of this notion that we need to be less impressed with the result because their best round happened on Sunday versus Friday. I I just, I don't buy into that. Yeah. I mean, Sunday is simply the most difficult day. And yeah, I guess if, if you're looking at it in the sense that, oh, well, that person's not, if you're looking at like you, you said it where you're devaluing a ninth place because the ninth place came because of a good round on Sunday. That makes no sense to me. If, if you get an argument of, oh, well, you know, he hasn't, you know, been in contention, hasn't won a lot, um, you know, for, for any golfer, then, okay, like that, you you could use the argument that, oh, well, he played a great round on Sunday and never really had a chance to win. But if you're saying that a 10th place isn't a real 10th place because they did it all on Sunday, that makes no sense. It's a 72-hole golf tournament. Right. You, you are just trying – to do your best and score the lowest you can over 72 holes. We're told this, this mantra and this cliche that one shot at a time, one shot at a time, you know, get on your run when you can. And, 
Why is it that if it's the back nine on Sunday in any event that that now is devalued? Were you supposed to pack it in and just say, oh, well, it wasn't my week to win, so whatever? No, like you, 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 you shine on Sundays when you're a great golfer. And if you can be shooting 67, 65 on Sundays to sneak your way into 10th place, like that's, that's equally as impressive. Again, if we're talking about winning more often or, or being in contention more often, then of course, and that's a, a slightly different argument. But when people say a backdoor top 10, like that's a knock, it, it makes no sense to me that the hardest day to play is on Sunday. I don't care. Yeah, you might not have quite as much of the media attention uh, and, and maybe some of the nerves going into that Sunday, but it's still a four-day golf tournament for a reason. And you played great. Like, and you had a great round. It yes, happened to be on Sunday. Great. Just uh, and like, I, I always exactly. think about these things where when I'm doing research for golf tournaments or doing research for golf today or whatever I'm, I'm working on. And I dive into old players, Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholas, Tom Weisskopf, whomever. And I I'm looking at their records in a major or a players or Riv or wherever. I'm not looking at their T eighth finish. And and then going, well, how they play on Sunday? You know, I'm just looking at a top 10. It's another top 10. You go through that run Nicholas had where he, I think he had like 11 masters in a row where he finished in the top 10. I don't think anybody's looking into that going, yeah, but did, was he outside the top 10 going into the final round? It's like, no, it was a top 10. We just looking at the results. It's recency we look at as, oh, well, this guy can't get it done. It's like, he, well, I mean, he's good enough. He's good enough to shoot 68 on Sunday to finish in the top 10. And if you finish in the top 10, that means six guys beat you or seven guys beat you or eight guys beat you. And that is it. And so I just, I want to, I want the term backdoor top 10 to die. That's my whole point. I'm with that. It's just, it's a waste of, it's just a waste. I don't, I don't get it. it yeah. It doesn't prove anything. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's, it's inconsequential in what we're talking about. I, Max, you had something on Michelle Wee. Yeah, well, I tweeted something that was really cool. Grace Summerhays. Wow, the you Corey just compliment your own tweet. I like that. Did I say I had a great tweet? You said, you said, yeah, I just tweeted out something great. I like that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> the story in which that I tweeted about was great. <laughs> a good catch. Um, Grace, who is uh, an all-star, or, you know, whole family is just a bunch of all-stars. Um, she is six. Someone said she's 16. I thought I read she's 15, but we'll just call her 16 just in case. But, uh, 16 year old years old. She's obviously in high school and she played in the Monday qualifier for the uh, corn Ferry tour event in Vegas this, this week. And she didn't qualify, but she played the, the obviously the back tee 7,400 yards shot six over beat at least six people, I think. And it was just like, it's just really cool. It, and I, I, the whole point of tweeting about it was one, just to show um, like, the amazing, the ma- uh, amazement I had in, in, you know, someone who clearly is uh, pretty new to the game in the sense that they haven't played a professional golf tournament ever. And they just went out and beat six people. Uh, and also just, just to point out like just the story of how she's going to be a freaking all-star. Superstar. PJ tour at some time. I mean, she is unbelievable. A lot of people talk about Preston summer age and he's going to be an all-star as well. But grace, I, I would argue is, is the one that, uh, will just absolutely make an impact really, really fast. Um, she, she's just incredible. So uh, I, tweet, I tweet about that and so I had a couple people respond uh, in, in the same way. One person in particular kind of pointed out, well, I hope that their parents uh, just let her uh, play in, you know, kind of the, the women's events or stay out of the, the, main, the, the, the men's, you know, spotlight in the sense, uh, in referring to Michelle Wee, basically discrediting 
uh, Michelle Wee's career and basically saying how, you know, it could have been so much better had she gone a different avenue. And I just, I don't get that at all. Um, and, and I, 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 Michelle Wee has had a phenomenal career. Um, Absolutely. She's won a major. She's won a ton of tournaments. She's had a phenomenal career. I don't, I do not think that for one second because she went and, and was playing, you know, the Sony Open when she was 13 or 14, that somehow hindered what she did. And, and also by saying it hindered what she did, you're almost taking away from how phenomenal the career was. I think it's so easy to stay in age to see somebody and say, oh, they're going to be so good and think like, you know, no laying up was joking about this on their podcast this week that they did 10 minutes after the masters, like try hard. Um, <laughs> they were talking about how people are like, well, how many, how many uh, masters do you think will Zaltoris is going to win? Cause someone wrote in one, like over under was one and a half. It's like, if that's the bar we're setting for people because of a, you know, kind of early success, that's just unfair. Uh, Tiger Woods has ruined this for us. People like Jordan Spieth have, has ruined this for us, where we can look at something and say, oh, this is a disappointing career. It, it, the major and a bunch of wins is a success in any level, in any aspect or, or, or a space in golf. That is great. So I, I just didn't, it just didn't sit right with me. I just want to bring it up because I, I, I look at Michelle Wee as just a, a superstar and a, a tremendous person in the game of golf. And uh, I would never have looked at her career as uh, lackluster in any, any fashion. That's, that's set up more by people's expectation, which was clearly too big. If you think that this career and body of work she's put together isn't, you know, outstanding. Well, and, and, and let me just say to any golf fan out there that is going to say you uh, X only won one major, uh, you're going to be saying that a lot because it's going to be very hard going forward to win multiple majors. I mean, I'm just looking, Max, through the list here, okay? So kind of going back to when Tiger stopped winning like four majors a year. <laughs> I mean, you go to 09, yeah. Stuart Sink, Lucas Glover, Y.E. Yang, one majors, right? The next year, Louie. Graham McDowell, one major. You have Keimer and Phil winning there. Obviously, Martin Keimer has a couple. The next year, Darren Clark, one major. Keegan Bradley, Schwartzel. I mean, you just kind of keep going through this list, and it's one major winner after one. Webb Simpson, Adam Scott, Duffner, Justin Rose, Stinson, Jimmy Walker, Jason Day, Danny Willett, Sergio, Patrick Reed, JT, Morikawa, Bryson, now Hideki, Shane Lowry, Molinari. I mean, these guys are unbelievable golfers, right? I mean, nobody in the world would ever argue the contrary to that. And they have one major. And I will venture to say that if you had to bet money or if you were forced to bet money on how many of those guys are going to win a second major, you would win more money if you bet the under on every single one of them. We we need to be okay with the current crop of golfers. And you're you're out there every single week with them. If somebody like Will Zalatoris wins a major in 2022, right? There is absolutely no that that does not say he's going to win a second, right? It's he played great one week out of four in a calendar year, and that is awesome to see. I, I hate this idea that we've always got to look at how many could he win because I guarantee you, if we would all bet money on Sergio Garcia as a 19 year old, we all would have lost. We just said 10 majors back then. Yeah, I said it about uh, when Colin Morikawa was coming up. I told uh, my group of buddies, I said, Colin's going to win four majors. And Joe's like, yo, uh, Dustin's won one. Right. And I'm going to stick by my call. But the point was, <laughs> is like, man, majors are hard to win. Golf tournaments are hard to win. Like, the, the, the game doesn't just, like, allow people to just come out there and win. Uh, they go 
any week they want. Like I said, Tigers ruined a lot of this, a lot of this for us. So yeah, I mean, and you did though forget one name. I think you forgot to say Lloyd Mangrum. So I well, like, I, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I didn't want to go. I mean, I, we should probably bring obvious. up it's bring up the, obvious, the, yeah. the 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 master without a green jacket, right? Is that that's our yeah. boy Lloyd Mangrum? Every single stat you see. Um, I want you to bring up. Uh, I, I'm forcing you to do this. You had an amazing idea in our NBA chat yesterday. Do you mind sharing that as your good idea or one of your good ideas? I'll do two good ideas. I got to go because it is my wife's birthday and we're on vacation. But I I actually had for once in my life, two good ideas Um, (laughs) in sports, like in the NBA and the NFL. I wish that there were no longer like uh, uh, draft. uh, What would you call it? Like draft previews. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to know anything about the guys i don't want to know who is supposed to go one and who's supposed to go two because it's just like ruining the buzz of it like right now we have justin fields and, and the nfl draft like plummeting for who knows what reason and i don't want to know that i want to be surprised and look up one day and be like holy cow my team at 20 just got justin fields how lucky are we um i don't really need to i don't need to know all that it, it ruins kind of the entertainment factor of the of all the draft sports yeah, your, your your idea basically is it's we're watching the draft and we have no idea about anybody and no we're just idea. surprised. Pure we're excitement. just every player no that's picked is just a total surprise. And then you get to dive into the player. Oh my god, this Fields guy looks amazing. Look what he did in college. Yes, exactly. I, it's it's very so very cool. very funny. All right, I'll, let's do your second good idea and then we'll go. Well, we got the Zurich uh, championship coming up next week. It's a team event. I'm partnering up with Taylor Gooch, uh, and you know one day is. Uh, alternate shot for the other day is best ball and a game we play at home quite often when we're playing with pros uh is uh you know obviously match play but if both partners make a birdie on the hole they both count so basically two birdies beats one birdie and i think at the zurich if we both make birdie on the best ball day it should be a two under hole i'm i i am out i've signed up and i i will submit uh this idea to the pga tour it's a great idea what do they call it at the papago game uh it, it's it's not mega birdies. They have a name for it, but uh, yeah, it is be, like beast that. birdies or something. But if you both make yeah, birdie, beast birdies, beast yeah, birdies, yeah, there, there was that run we, you and I had a pop ago that one time. We're like, I eagled nine and ten. You made birdie like on like something crazy like 9 10 11 12 i don't know you and i were like 12 under and a five yeah we got stretch. like a six or seven yeah we were just like going bananas on two three holes but it, you should be because in basketball yeah like i mean one birdie that's great but like why not like if we both make birdie aren't we proving that as a team we're playing better than the other team who only made one birdie on that hole i i, lo- I love this idea this is something that should be in play beast birdie let's bring right. it up let's beast let's birdie. let's present it to uh, the PGA Tour. Uh, happy birthday to Lacey! 30th birthday. We're very excited for her. Uh, Max, <laughs> I know. I know you're you're in charge of festivities. We got to let you go. Uh, but yeah, Masters is done. Can't wait for 2022. I'm excited for the team event. I hope you're getting a little bit of rest and some practice in. And uh, and yeah, we'll be back next week. Thanks, Shane. Thanks for doing this. Wash your hands, everybody. Hope you guys enjoyed the Masters. I'm really looking forward to playing with Taylor next week at the circus. Should be a lot of fun. Beast birdies or no beast birdies. Get a Grip with Max Homa and Shane Bacon is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.